most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? <laughs> You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. Ooh, my goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What is up, everybody? And welcome to the Fantasy Flex Night Shift Podcast for week number 11. For all those people out there clocking those late night DFS hours with the Sunday night football and Monday night football DFS slates, I'm your host, Chris Raybon, joined as always by one of the top fantasy rankers in the game, Sean Kerner. Sean, what's going on? What's up? Can't complain. Uh, you know, nice 75 degree day here in LA while uh, we're going to watch a game at Lambeau Field tonight that's 50 degrees colder, so uh, definitely can't complain. Yeah, can't complain at all. We're going to watch another one. <laughs> Uh, later this week in Detroit, that was supposed to be in Buffalo. Uh, we're getting bummer. robbed of our snow game, so yeah, I have to uh, boost all the projections. To you know, <laughs> Tuesday I was talking about how I had Josh Allen at like two thirty-five, two forty passing yards. Gonna have to bump that up to two seventy, two eighty now. Yeah, I mean, go Gabe Davis. You were you were ahead of the curve, two ahead, as it, <laughs> two ahead. As it turns out. You just created extra work for yourself. <sighs> All right, uh, let's uh, let's jump into these uh, these two slates though. Uh, we have the let's start off with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Los Angeles Chargers on Sunday Night Football. The Chiefs are six point favorites on the road in this one. The total is around fifty one, so pretty high here. And we know the freaks come out at night. So who do you like to have a freak performance in the captain spot for this matchup? Uh, I like Justin Herbert to have a freak performance here. Uh, he could be getting back his top two wide receivers here in Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Um, even if they are limited, that's going to be massive for him. Uh, well, we have to monitor Gerald Everett, too. He's also on the injury report. But either way, I think he's going to have more weapons at his disposal this week than he has the previous few weeks. Um, plus, this is a matchup where you know the Chargers will probably have a pass-heavy game script. Chiefs ranked 22nd in DVOA against the pass, and they've allowed two or more passing touchdowns to every quarterback they faced this season other than Malik Willis, which uh, makes sense. Uh, but, you know, it's not so much their defense is bad. It's teams have to keep throwing and try to keep up with this offense. So in a potential shootout, uh, I think this is the time to to reinvest in Justin Herbert. Yeah, he could get that full complement of weapons back. Have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm hearing a lot of conflicting reports about, you know, how how ready to go are these guys. I, I mean, Keenan Allen said he wouldn't play unless he's ready to go. Uh, so you would think he'd be in a good spot. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it, it, it'll be a good good sign for Herbert if he gets all mm-hmm. those those guys back. Uh, for me, I'll go with Austin Eckler to have a freak performance. I think maybe if everyone comes back, people will be mm-hmm. a little bit off Eckler. But Kansas City is allowing the most – receptions per game in the league to running backs at 7.4 and the most receiving yards per game to running backs at 52.6. Eckler also had a nine catch game in that first meeting in 
week number two, and he's averaging 19 touches for 96 scrimmage yards on the season with over a touchdown per game. So I still think he'll be heavily involved either way. And I'm hoping that, you know, maybe getting some of these guys back kind of splits up some of that roster ship among all the different Charger players instead of it being super concentrated on Eckler. So I'll go with Eckler. Yeah, that's that's a good call. He obviously has one of the biggest ceilings um, on this slate. Plus, with all the pass catchers being questionable, hmm. you know, if they're all limited, it's going to force Eckler to step up for sure. All right, who do you like for dart throws in this one? Do you like darts, Ted? Oh, okay, I'm more of a, you know, a cornhole man myself. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I can consider uh, Josh Palmer a dart throw, but, you know, with everybody potentially coming back, maybe he falls under the radar a bit. Um, but e- even if Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, and Gerald Everett all suit up, um, it looks like DeAndre Carter's also questionable too. Um, you know, Palmer's still going to play a ton of snaps. Like th- these guys won't be able to return to a full workload. Um, so, you know, Palmer's still going to be a key piece in this offense. So his roster ship could take a dip here, but uh, I like the idea of just sticking with him um, a little bit more under the radar, I guess would be Trey McKitty, especially if Gerald Everett ends up suiting up, um, you know, Everett's dealing with a growing injury. There's a chance he could be limited or even have an in-game setback. So uh, with Donald Parham also on IR, it's clear that McKitty would see most of the playing time um, if ever is limited. Uh, last week, whenever got knocked out of the game, you know, uh, McKitty saw six targets, got three of them for 21 yards. So he's a sneaky play here. Um, and then on the Chiefs side, I guess Kadarius Tony is a little bit too obvious here, but uh, they also have some question marks at wide receiver. Juju, MVS, and Michael Hardman are all questionable. Um, so if just one or all three of those guys am getting ruled out, um, you know, that's only going to raise Tony's projections. We are, we've already seen a glimpse of his upside in this offense last week. So I like him. And then, again, a little bit more under the radar, their backup tight end, Noah Gray. Um, you know, with the Chiefs having so many wide receivers banged up here, they could, you know, lean on more two tight end sets here. Noah Gray has played nicely uh, with, you know, the two big games the past couple of games. Uh, both games would have been very useful on a showdown slate. So um, I think he's sneaky and a great, you know, showdown type of play. Yeah, I think Juju, I doubt, will play. Yeah. Uh, you know, just because he took that hit. And Hardman is a, probably leaning in the direction of no as well with the with the abdomen injury. I think MVS was just an illness. So I would expect him to suit up with uh, kind of a mm-hmm. platoon of those, those other backup guys. Uh, but we will see, obviously, monitor that. Uh, I will go with a little bit under the radar contrarian here. Quite Edwards, you wear. You know, no touches in the last game. Everyone's kind of going with the narrative that, you know, he's been phased out. Andy Reid's had an answer for it all week. But he said, you know, look, we we trying to get Pacheco more work. And the, the series that we did have Edwards, you wear in there, we got a couple of three and outs and, so I think there's still a chance for Edwards Ewer to kind of pop back up and get a few touches here and there. And if we know one thing, it's that you can't rely on Chiefs backfield usage from week to week. You know, guys will kind of inexplicably pop up for big games when you least expect it. So uh, I, I like to I like to buy low on him when his value is essentially in the gutter and nobody's going to trust him. And remember, this Charger defense still bottom five in DVOA. Uh, against the run and on passes to running backs. Edwards Ewer, 74 yards and eight carries in the first meeting and also four for 44 receiving. So he had over 100 scrimmage yards on, on just over 10 touches, not even a ton of touches in the first 
meeting. So I think he can be efficient here. You never know when he's going to pop up around the end zone. So uh, I think everyone will kind of be uh, like looking for Pacheco and McKinnon. Uh, and, I, and I'll go with, uh, with CEH. Also, uh, Isaiah Spiller on the other side, rookie running back. Looks like he's taking over that backfield role. You know, that's something, again, you can't really rely on the usage in that backfield either. But Spiller, I think, is starting to trend up. He, in the last two weeks, has outsnapped Sonny Michelle 23-19, but outtouched him 11-2. to And Eckler, if he does, you know, get tripped up, it, it would be around the goal line. Only 58% of the running back carries inside the 10-yard line have gone Eckler this year. The other 42% have been split with Joshua Kelly, who was the backup at one point, uh, and Sony Michelle. So those could easily go to Spiller now, who doesn't have one yet, but – uh, could see him pop up for for one of those, and I'll also mention Justin Watson on the Chiefs. If 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 two mm. of the receivers are ruled out, especially, I think Watson really comes into play. He actually led the 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 team outside of MVS in routes last week. It wasn't Tony, and this Charger D has played a good amount of man coverage, and Watson's averaging over two yards per route against man, uh, the best on the team. So. Watson could pop up big in this spot. Everyone's kind of looking for Tony and and Sky Moore, but Sky Moore's playing time was the one guy who really yeah. didn't change. So I think Watson would see a boost, and he had a good game in the first meeting uh, as well. But I think he would see a, a kind of under the radar boost in playing time if uh, if guys miss, even if one guy misses. Really, uh, I, I think you could see it with Watson, but uh, particularly if two miss, I think he could. There's a chance he could be an every down player. Yeah, I was about to say that this this would be the first time you don't at least mention Sky Moore and watch him go off, but mm-hmm. you, you mentioned him, so that's good. But yeah, Tony is obviously the sexy play, but Justin Watson, great under the radar play. And I love the Clyde Edwards Hilaire call. I mean, how many touches do you have him for here? I have him like four or five, but yeah, um, yeah, just a handful. You know, he's still he's like barely in, in the top fifty running backs ranking wise, but you know, it's a perfect DFS kind of play. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Is his median projections obviously low. We know that, but there's just a wide range of outcomes of this backfield. And Jarek McKinnon is also banged up. Uh yeah. he's dealing with a couple injuries. So um you know Edward Slayer could certainly have a bounce back game here. They did have one snap near the goal line. Um, he didn't get a touch, but Clyde Edwards Lair was in mm-hmm. um, on the goal line play. So it seems like he's still going to be the goal line back. Pache- that's not really Pacheco's thing. Um, so I, I do think he's going to be very low rostered and can easily have a bounce back spot here. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they have a traditional goal line back in the sense of the way. I think they're just kind of trying to rotate their, their running backs in. And obviously, you know, they wanted to get Pacheco more. We talked about Pacheco all offseason, so I'm glad that <laughs> yeah. he's coming to fruition but you know you got to kind of take it take take what you're given on these slates and uh yeah go go with the uh the guy who will probably yeah they're they're going they're going backs are burton yeah Noah gray and jody fortson right yeah just yeah they're, they're, and uh uh and kelsey kelsey will go, well, go yeah, under. yeah yeah kelsey's everything but yeah, yeah. <laughs> he'll go under now nah, he'll go i'll take the durham smith the durham smith sneak too uh <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's move to the Monday. Do you like either fullback in that game? Oh yeah, oh yeah, I almost forgot. Got a let's couple of decent yeah. ones at least. Come on. Long pass to the fullback. Got a nice block from the fullback. How many tackles can one man break? Oh, look at the fullback down the sideline. Now 
we're doing our best to, to keep the fullback position alive and thriving. Make fullbacks great again. So we got Burton and our boy Xander Horvath, who was it this game where he got the touchdown last? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, the... yeah that was uh, week two. Yep. One catch for one yard with one touchdown. He hasn't done, you know, jack shit since then. Uh, he had a one carry last week, but again, uh, this this should be a higher scoring game. So the 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 odds of him getting a vulture touchdown certainly go up here. Yeah, I think, and and Burton has been the short yardage back at points, as you mentioned for yeah. the Chiefs. So I think both of them are in play. I would I would wean Burton only because I think they'll be on high alert for Horvath after he got the you know, little play action dump off one yard touchdown. They saw that on film. That's probably not something you use again uh, in the second meeting. You get a little more creative there. So uh, I think the Chiefs are on higher yep. alert now to use their fullback uh, this this time around. Uh, and what about the luck rankings for this one? Yeah, so the, uh, the Chiefs are the sixth luckiest team and uh, the Chargers are 12th. Uh, so not not really a big enough discrepancy to factor that in in any way. So should be a pretty straight up game in terms of luck. Now on the Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now you can win on Sleeper by playing their new over under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over-under. For example, rushing yards in football or number of points in basketball. Then choose the amount of money that you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about Over-Under on Sweeper is that it's the only app where I can join my friends contest and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my group's picks with the tap of a button along with Over-Under integrated into the fantasy experience itself. It's insanely fun to ride it out together. So stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new over-under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. On your mobile phone, join our listener group on Sleeper at sleeper.com slash action and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. Again, go to sleeper.com slash action and you'll get a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. All right, let's jump to the Monday night matchup. We got the San Francisco 49ers and the Arizona Cardinals in Mexico City. And the Niners are eight-point favorites, a total around 43 and a half, and it looks like we may get another week of Colt McCoy. Um, here if here he's healthy now. enough, right? Right, yeah, <laughs> he's well, also banged up. exactly. But uh, <laughs> yeah, as we record this, it's nothing's official yet. But uh, hearing that they may play it conservative with Kyler Murray, uh, and it's quickly shaping up to be a a lost season for the for the Cardinals. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts on this one? the captain spot oh i have to go with rondell moore here um you know he's caught six or more balls in five of the last six games and you know with zach Ertz now out for the season um he has an even higher floor ceiling combo here although it does look like hollywood brown 
um, is nearing return. I don't think that's going to happen here. Um, but at least for this week, you know, Moore's target share is going to be massive. Um, and the fact that he was able to post, you know, a nine catch 94 yard game with Colt McCoy under center means he's quarterback proof. So it won't matter too much, um, whether it's Kyler or McCoy under center for him or, you know, DeAndre Hopkins for that matter. Um, so this, this should be a pass heavy game script for them. You know, they're eight, eight and a half point underdogs right now. So, um, plus he hasn't seen a rushing attempt in the past two games. Uh, that's got to change. Could see him easily getting two to three rush attempts here as well. Um, so he just has a lot of paths to, you know, sort of breaking the slate in the captain slot. And I think he will be sort of under the radar here. Um, there's a lot of good options in this game, but Ron Moore, especially in a full PPR format, um, is definitely my favorite captain play here. Oh, I like that. A little bit, a uh, little bit off the map yep. with Rondale. Been a little too chalky though. Had to had to dig <laughs> a little bit deeper. And you know what's interesting about that? Cardinal passing game, which just adds more kind of drama to the situation and makes me want to tune into in-season hard knocks and see what's <laughs> going on there, is it, it felt to me like Cliff Kingsbury felt like he could run his offense more with mm. Colt McCoy. Like They barely yeah. called any run plays until the latter part of that game against the Rams, and they could have easily come out conservative, you know, two backup quarterbacks, and just, you know, run, try to stay in the game. But they had McCoy in the shotgun and just throwing it all <laughs> around the yard. They uh, James Conner pass blocked. Like, his life. He had the pass blocking game of his life. Like, James <laughs> Conner was just stonewalling dudes, you know, in the hole, snap after snap. I think he only ran a route like half of his snaps, sent the other half blocking, and they just threw it. So, if we see McCoy again, you know, again, he is uh, questionable as well, but – uh, yeah, it could absolutely be a pass-heavy game script because it was a pass-heavy game script against the Rams. <laughs> yeah, I had the uh, I I talked about this with you before. Convinced me the uh, DeAndre Hopkins under Ugh. seventy-five and a half yards. Um, that was unwatchable because, like you said, just right <laughs> out of the gate, it was like a Mike Leach, Cliff Kingsbury, Texas Tech offense, just ninety-nine percent pass attempts off the rip. So yeah, you made a good point. Like this offense looked a lot more like you know, what Cliff Kingsbury would want uh, with, you know, Colt McCoy under center. So that was definitely interesting to see. And why a lot of these guys like Rondell Moore, DeAndre Hopkins, like it probably doesn't matter uh, if McCoy's under center. It might actually be better. Yeah, that's what I mean. Cause you're just kind of taking away a bunch of scrambles and things like that and, yeah. uh, and whatnot. So, and yeah, pro- probable negative game script as well. Uh, I'll go, I have, I have two here. One is the obvious play. That's Christian McCaffrey, you know, got to always mention him. And this Arizona defense allowed at least one touchdown to a running back in each of the past three games with multiple touchdowns in two of the past three to running back. So I think that McCaffrey has, as usual, another high ceiling game due to the matchup. Arizona's below average uh, in weighted DVOA against the run and their bottom three on passes to running back. So McCaffrey's got very similar numbers to Eckler this season uh, in his three games with the Niners, 18 touches per game, 96 scrimmage yards per game, and 1.3 all-purpose touchdowns per game as a Niner. So I know Mitchell's mixing in there, but I still think McCaffrey uh, has a huge ceiling. And then for a more contrarian captain play, I think it should be a George Kittle game too. Uh, in this one so Kittle 
ha- just has the this is the best matchup for tight ends. And Kittle played ninety uh, was in the was in a route on ninety three percent of the dropbacks in the last game coming off the bye. The Arizona defense thirty first in DVOA against tight ends. This is the this these are the total number uh, of catches and yards that Arizona allowed to tight end, starting with the most recent. And remember, Kittle's pretty much getting all of those routes. So uh, last game was nine catches for 84. The game before that, 10 for 128. The game before that, five for 29 and a touchdown, six for 35 and three touchdowns, nine for 68, (laughs) eight for 95, four for 40, but that was against the Panthers and they still had nine targets, (laughs) five for 89, nine 80 and one, 10, 132, and two. If this is not a George Kittle game, <laughs> I don't know what is. So uh gotta go with some Kittle in, in a captain spot as well. Yeah, Tommy Tremble going three catches for 34 yards <laughs> is like the equivalent of Kittle going nine for 150. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and remember, I feel like as you know, playing fantasy as long as we have, isn't it every few years that the Cardinals just have the league's worst defense against <laughs> tight ends? It feels like we go in waves with this thing. Like it's like new iterations of the Cardinal defense with completely different players, and it's just the worst defense against tight ends. Yeah, I wasn't don't know that how it happened? TJ Hawkinson's NFL debut was against yep. the Cardinals. Yep. Uh one of the worst defensive seasons against tight ends ever. And he just went off for three, three touchdowns first game. No problem. But yeah, that's, that's a good point. Um, that They're just a tight end funnel defense. And you would think that, um, you know, Brandon Ayuk would be the odd man out every once in a while, you know, but it's been Debo and George Kittle for some reason. Ayuk is this offense. Uh, so I wonder if the Cardinals adjust and it, yeah, like you said, just Kittle has a big game here. So I love that call and the captain spot, you know, coming off a, a dud like last week. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's an adjustment for the Cardinals. This is just kind of what they are. Uh, this current iteration of their defense, they're just uh, really good at funneling the ball away from yep. wide receivers. They're number, they're top three in DVOA against number one wide receivers and number two wide receivers. And then, you know, a lot is allowed to, you know, the other wide receivers yep. in the middle of the field, tight ends, running backs. Running backs, uh, yep. So, you know, that's just kind of, like, it makes sense as a defense because wide receiver – statistically speaking, wide receiver production is going to be the most damaging to, to mm-hmm. your defense. So if you can kind of funnel the yep. ball away, uh, it, it does you know work in your favor in theory. So uh, who do you like for dart throws? Y'all take your darts over here pretty seriously, huh? Uh, so on the 49ers side, I don't know if the, he counts right now, but Elijah Mitchell, um, you know, I thought he'd get eased back in, you know, since he's been out since week one. And, you know, especially considering they have Christian McCaffrey at their disposal now. Instead, he had four more rush attempts in McCaffrey last week, 18 to 14. But as you pointed out, he's just really good. And he's yeah. a good fit for this scheme. So they're going to keep using him, whether CMC managers like that or not. So, um, you know, with the 49ers being big favorites in Mexico City, um, this is another spot where we could see Mitchell get 15 or more touches. Uh, plus, you know, Mexico City is what, like 8,000 feet above sea level? Um, th- these players are going to get gas. So they might not be able to use McCaffrey um, you know, every day out. And I think that's going to have Mitchell factor in even more, uh, both backup running backs, actually. So uh, I think the elevation could be a reason to kind of like target these backups, which is why, you know, one of my favorite dart throws on the slate is Keontae Ingram on the Cardinals side, because, you know, the Cardinals released, Eno you know, Benjamin, you and I were both uh, celebrating that because, um, you know, that, that means Ingram is now the clear backup to James Conner. He was my dart throw on that uh, Cardinal Saints Thursday night football call, game. Yeah just about a month ago and he uh, he almost had a, he had a good game he almost had a huge game 
they had that uh, touchdown called back. They pushed yep. it back to the one, I think. Uh, but, he, you know, he's a six-round rookie out of USC. I was actually shocked he went that far in the draft. He gives me, you know, a cream hunt type of vibe. So in a game where it could get ugly and, you know, the Cardinals could be down big in the fourth quarter, he could get all of them up, up duty, get a bunch of dump off passes by then. So, you know, he, he's still under the radar right now, but I think after this game, it, it could change. Yeah, I love that call on Keontae Ingram because I went back and looked at it, and James Conner, first of all, played 96% of the snaps last week, which is partly why Benjamin got released. He was not happy with his role. But I, I look back, and apparently Conner only does this against the Rams. He had a game last year against the Rams where he played 96% of the snaps. He has not played more than 82% of the snaps uh, more than once outside of that. So his median this season is 66%. Last season was 49%. So there's a very good chance that in this matchup and in all the others, we see Ingram a lot more involved than he was in that last game where Connor pretty much didn't come off the field. And, you know, you made a really good point about the elevation as well. So I think that could factor in. But uh, really, it's just it was an outlier for James Connor to, to be getting that much work. Uh, out of the backfield. So uh, love that Ingram call for a, just a variety of different ways, I think, that he could uh, come into playing time. And I also mentioned Jawan Jennings. Uh, he, he, I mentioned him last week, and he kind of came alive, had a, a good stretch of uh, catches there. I think he ended up with four catches on the day. But uh, like him again, had a 60% route participation rate last week. That was his highest since week one and we already mentioned Arizona you know they funnel the ball away from top two receivers so that would benefit Jennings once again uh runs a lot running a lot of routes on the inside these days and the Cardinals 23rd in DVOA against non number one and number two receivers so looks like Jennings is continuing to play uh most of the meaningful receiver snaps over McLeod and that makes sense because they really like Jennings for his blocking. So McLeod is more, you know, they're still going to be able to get the ball to McLeod on the park turns and things like that. But Jennings is usually going to be on the field as that number three wide out. So uh, like Jennings as well. Always like Jennings as a dart throw call uh, always gets overlooked, but you know, he, he pops up, you know, every few games has a big game. Um, and one more thing with Keontae Ingram, just in season long formats, I was saying to stash him because, you know, he's a James Connor injury away. For being, yeah. you know, potential RB2. And it's James Conner we're talking about. You know, he's one of the more injury-prone starters out there. And if even if Conner stays healthy the rest of the season, Keontae could develop, you know, the Chase Edmonds role they don't have right now. So, um, you know, I think he's better than Eno Benjamin. So, um, you know, he's a guy I've been saying to stash in season-long leagues. One other guy I wanted to just mention and hear your thoughts, but it's Trey McBride, you know, with Zach Ertz out for the season now. While it's been a very disappointing season for McBride, he was the top tight end prospect to come out of the draft. You know, the the Cardinals took him in the second round, which I thought was bizarre because they already had Zach Ertz locked up. It kind of reminded me of when the Eagles took Dallas Goddard, which is kind of ironic because McBride Hmm. sort of gave me Dallas Goddard vibes at Colorado State. So he's been off to a slow start, you know, 4.4% target rate uh, on his routes run this year. But, you know, Rookie tight ends get off the slow start. So do you think he could bounce back and, um, you know, maybe have a big enough game here to to break the slate? I mean, certainly, yes, absolutely, because he will get the the usage. I have him projected for 
uh, nearly 90% of the snaps. So that's kind of sliding into that Ertz role. Remember, you only have the veteran Steven Anderson, and I assume they'll elevate Max Williams to be that third blocking tight end. But uh, he'll get the opportunity. Uh, obviously, he'll probably be last in the pecking order, but that's all you're looking for is snaps in, in this. But, and I think I do think for what it's worth, you know, for anyone in, in season one, with that, I do think McBride – has a better shot of producing than a guy like Jack Stoll, who ironically has taken over in <laughs> yeah. Philly, because like I think what's going to happen with Stoll is, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be Stoll, Calcaterra, and yeah. Tyree Jackson kind of splitting that receiving role, because Stoll is still blocking tight end, you know, more so. So uh, I think with McBride, you're kind of getting that potential for 90% of the routes, just like with Ertz, whereas with with, with, with some, other, some of these other guys, it's going to be split up. So uh, certainly we do think, uh, think McBride has, has a lot of upside and uh, I mean, he'll probably be chalky. I, I would imagine. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, d- just being uh, kind of, but we'll see. Cause you know, they uh, sometimes they kind of price it where you, uh, you know, you know, it's, you don't want to go too much on a guy like that, but uh, yeah, I certainly think he has the, uh, the upside. Uh, what are the luck rankings looking like in this one? Luck be a lady tonight. Uh, this one, it's it's pretty close again. Um, it's you know the 49ers rank 23rd, Cardinals are 18th. So they're they're both on the unluckier side of our luck rankings, but neither team is expected to you know regress going forward. They're they're both about the same. So it's a differential of five. Um, so that that doesn't really indicate a play on our end. Yeah, I mean, I think I will say. You know, don't if if the Cardinals are starting Colt McCoy, don't count them out because yeah, we've seen this last year as well. You know, they think, oh, the Cardinals are Colt McCoy, that's gonna be a, a loss, and then they go blow somebody out that they're that they're better than. So, and I believe Colt McCoy won a game against the Niners uh as the backup for Arizona at one point. Uh so yeah, it's it's yep. it's definitely not week, a situation. Week, week nine last year. Yeah, yeah. I think well, that was against Trey Lance, I believe. But yeah, either yeah. way. It's I wouldn't count them out. So, you know, we mentioned Ingram. We love him. But if we want to go contrarian, uh, James Conner, you know, there's always that upside that he does get another, you know, 90 percent. Uh, it's a tough yeah. matchup. But, um, you know, it, it's uh, it's not out of the question that the Cardinals actually do have a positive game script here. I should point that out. And uh, we do have a fullback on this one, a guy that I, I oh, bet yeah. against. On the last uh, last time, was it? Yeah, last week he was on the primetime slate. Ended up going with him under one and a half catches. Uh, hopefully they hang that line again. But uh, <laughs> Kyle Uzcheck, uh, I do think he's obviously in the upper echelon of fullbacks uh, that we talk about for DFS. If you're just looking for a dart throw touchdown, but uh, one thing to kind of note is his routes run because they're getting McCaffrey and Mitchell so involved. His routes have kind of been cut in half. Uh, you know, uh, which I think is going to continue going forward. Yeah, that's a great point. You made that point last week. I think that's why you're on the under. But um, typically, you know, he's uh, elite, probably the top fullback um, for these slates. You know, he's running around 45 to 50 percent of the time. Uh, but they've never really had a pass catching back the caliber of Christian McCaffrey. So that certainly is cutting in his production. So um, he's he's probably going to be a little bit more popular than he should be. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think he's a great play here. Yeah. Especially I mean, with the potential game script. He'll be on the field. That's the thing. So they could always do something where, like, I think he still has that touchdown potential because they could, you know, they've they've run so many plays mm-hmm. where he's just a blocker and he's kind of 
H back moving around, but he just ends up blocking that. If they wanted to do a play action, I think they could get him kind of wide open, but you know, just down to down. Yeah. I don't think he's going to get you those like, you know, three, four catch games that he was mm-hmm. doing, getting, getting you for a while yeah. uh, this season uh, even. So, yeah. You know, we're, we're doing our best to, to keep the fullback position alive and thriving. That is going to wrap it up for the week 11 fantasy flex night shift podcast. For more great fantasy content from Sean and I, be sure to check out our full player projections episode out now over on the Action Network podcast channel and our fantasy preview episode right here on the Fantasy Flex podcast channel. Also, check out the news and waivers episode of Fantasy Flex every Monday from Samantha Praviti and Mike Triplett. ActionNetwork.com for all of our NFL rankings and projections fantasy betting content, all that good stuff, as well as fantasylabs.com for our DFS tools and models. You can follow Sean on Twitter at the underscore oddsmaker and me at Chris Raybon. And you can find us at those same handles on the free award-winning Action Network app. Until next time, let's get this money. Money.